spending the last few weeks walking through the book of Luke, uh, just really one chapter, Luke chapter two. And I wanna encourage you today. I want you to lean in the best you can. We talked about being inspired and being encouraged and expecting something. We want you to have great expectation for today because when we have great expectation, Jesus always, always supersedes and goes beyond our expectations. So my expectation is great for you today. And um, I hope it is great that you're receiving, that you're gonna receive all that God has for you today. If you have a Bible, open up to Luke chapter two. Luke chapter two, Merry Christmas. It's uh, some of you guys in here today. Your Amazon has made you, has become a very, 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 very good friend of all of you guys in here today. And you're at the season of your life where you're getting packages every single day for the next seven days. I wanna encourage you today. I wanna help you out. Make sure as soon as those packages come in, Throw them in the house, okay? Because somebody else might want your Christmas gifts as bad as you do. And so now every time I come home, I'm grabbing those gifts and like throw them in the house, shut the door. And, and um, so make sure, you, make sure you're throwing those in there. Um, I'm in a season where Diane and I, we, don't, we, we share a credit card. We, use it, we don't use credit cards that much. We use, it, we use a debit card all the time. But for stuff that we can pay for, we use a credit card and we pay that for. And so like I'm in the season of life where like I'm trying to like ask people if I can borrow their credit card and pay them back for the gift that I'm gonna get her. Like, I just don't want her to know what I'm getting her. The other day I tried it. I just tried to slide it in there, Travis, and all her, amongst all the Black Friday shopping she did, I tried to buy her something there. She's like, did you think I wasn't gonna see that? I'm like, I don't know how much you look at that ledger. I just gotta, I tried to slide it in there. So now I gotta get, I gotta get creative. But hey, but we're glad you're here today. Today's gonna be a, Today's gonna be a good day. I wore a jacket today because today's a big day for our church. And um, I'm super excited about what God has already done. I'll share with you that in a few moments, but I'm excited about what he's gonna do in just a few moments. When we looked last week at the story of Luke chapter two, Jesus comes to earth. Jesus comes to earth, and when he comes to earth, he shows up, and a couple of the first people that see him were some shepherds. Your basic, just your typical shepherds out doing their deal, making sure the sheep are good, making sure the goats are good, making sure they're watered and they're fed. And he shows up to, he shows up to some shepherds and says, hey, Jesus is coming. Jesus is here, do you want to see him? And the shepherds are like, heck yeah, we want to see him. We want to see, we want to see Jesus. And they go and see Jesus and everything changed for them. Everything changed. When you see Jesus, everything changes. So if you didn't come last week, I'm going to catch you up on last week's sermon. Here it is. Number one, Jesus' story, his story, it changed my story. Jesus' story, him coming to earth, his story, it changed my story. My story went from I was going and doing my own kind of thing and God gave me something bigger. God gave me fulfillment. God gave me life. He took me from death into life. I'm so thankful that God's story changed my story. I needed my story changed. The Bible says that we were, we were born and we were born sinners. Because of that sin, we needed a savior so we can stay close to Jesus and not be separated from Jesus. So I'm so thankful that the story of Christmas, it changed my story. I'm forever changed because of, because of Jesus' story. But it didn't just change my story. His story, it changed your story. Your story's changed. I'm so glad that your story changed. Some of you guys, I met you before your story changed. You needed your story changed. I'm so glad that your story has changed. You're better with Jesus. I'm better with Jesus. I'm so thankful that he changed your story. I hope that you're glad that he changed your story. When your story's changed, you want to tell everyone that your story changed. His story has changed your story. Jesus has the power to change everyone in here in this room. He has the power to change your story. And then here's what I'm super excited about that our story is changing the world. My story plus your story becomes our story and our story is changing the world. Your story is changing the world. We're making a huge difference. Today, we're gonna take an offering that's gonna allow us to start churches all around the world. We're about to buy our first church, not in America, but in Cuba. And I'm super excited, but our story is changing the world. If you don't know this about our church, my desire when I launched the church, I desired to have a church that never slept. 
I wanted to have a 24-hour church. And the way for us to have a 24-hour church is for us to have partners around the world doing ministry around the world. So we want to partner with people that are around the world doing, doing uh, gospel work. They're connecting people to Jesus and all that God has all that God has for me. Our story's changing the world. Your story, your investment here, your serving, your loving, your giving, your encouragement, being on the dream team. Our story is changing the world. People come here every single week looking for hope. And that hope is found in a person named Jesus. And you serve on the dream team. It's changing people's story. Our story is changing. Our story is changing the world. And today what happens in this, this building is going to change. It's going to change more stories. A thrill of hope is about Jesus coming to earth. A thrill of hope is about Jesus coming to earth. He came to the earth and it changed, it changed everything. Now I'm gonna tell you what my favorite thing about Christmas is. And I know you guys are like, I know my pastor. I know him really good. His favorite thing about Christmas is baby Jesus. I wish I could tell you that was my favorite, story, favorite part about Christmas. It's not my favorite part, Janine, Genevieve. My favorite part about Christmas is gifts. That's what I like about Christmas. And I know some of you guys are like, man, you, I, I wish he gave some more spiritual answers, but I don't have, sometimes I don't have spiritual answers. That's just facts. I like gifts and I cannot lie. But I love gifts. But one thing about Christmas time is that you get invited to these stories and they do this thing called a re-gift or a white elephant, which is racist. But they, there's these different things like white elephant and, and re-gift. And I, I was at a party recently. This is my community group, okay? And I love these guys. This is my, this is my squad right here. And uh, these are some good people. I, I don't know why my eyes are closed in that picture, but they're closed. But have you ever had like a really, really, leave that picture. Have you ever had like a really, 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 really bad re-gift? One time I, I, I was, I always re-gifted batteries. Well, they didn't know me. Like I got batteries and I, I re-gift them. Now, they, if you, I don't, some of you guys aren't going to get this. Just, you just, just kind of ignore this illustration. But where I'm from, when batteries go bad, we put them in the freezer. That's what we do. And all, how many of you guys have ever put batteries in the freezer? Yeah, some of you guys, you guys are upstanding rich people. Y'all don't get that. Like you, you're not from the hard knocks like I'm from. Batteries, when they die, you can put those jokers in the freezer. And maybe apparently only, maybe that's an ethnic thing. I don't know if it's a poor thing. But my dad would be like, hey, son, the, re, the remote's dead. I say, yes, sir, want me to go to the store and buy some batteries? No, go put them in the freezer. Put them in there for 15 minutes and then bring them out and put them back in again. So one time I had my friends coming over like, hey, can I get a drink? I'm like, yeah, go get a drink. They go, bro. I said, what's up? He's like, you guys got batteries in your freezer. I'm like, yeah, that's a poor thing. You don't understand that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm like, let's go to your house. Like at our house, we just buy new batteries from Amazon. I'm like, oh, that's cool. It must be nice. But we used to freeze this. So I've been, I've had some battery gifts where I've gotten batteries before. I'm like, man, this is, this is a ghetto re-gift. One time I got really excited about a re-gift because I, I got inside the, the box, the package. It was a Starbucks gift card. I was so excited. I take out my app. I flip up my phone. I hit the Starbucks app, which is an app I use daily and, it's where my heart is. And I go to put in the numbers, the 16-digit number, and then I put in the eight pin code. And, and I put all that in there, and it said $0.00. And zero cents. I was so mad. But, man, I, I went to, I made it, though, you guys, this time. I went to, this is right here, this re-gift party that I went to. This was like upscale re-gift party. I didn't know what I was getting myself into with this group. But this is, this, is, this is a rich person kind of re-gift party. This is, I'm going to tell you about it in just a moment. I got that super, super nice blanket. Now, that's that kind of blanket in the middle there. It's that super soft one that when you have that big pile of blankets, like 62 blankets for a family of three in your, in your living room, it's the super, super soft one. And we got that one. I don't, I don't use blankets because, you know, I'm, I'm a tough macho guy that wears skinny jeans. But, I, but they, that blanket became a hot commodity at the house. It's so soft. 
but we're passing around the we're passing around the room and it's going from place to place to place to place to place and my daughter's reading the story about left and right and we're passing the gift from left to right to left to right and you know some of the people in the room they're like man I really want that one there was one it was a, it was a wine wine bag and all the alcoholics like I hope I get that one no I'm just kidding I was like I hope I get the I hope I get the wine one I'm just kidding so they're passing the wine one around and I'm kind of watching it I'm like I want to see if it, that's really wine in there I'm like I wanted to see what was in there and so and they're passing around the things it's going from left to right to left to right and I got my eyes on this super super nice wrap gift I'm like I want that one so as they're reading the story left to right I'm hanging on to it like I'm taking gifts I'm swapping it over like I'm trying to keep the gift I looked at Hope and I was like, is the story almost over yet? And so I'm trying to keep this one gift. And we're going around the room and it gets to the very end. And then at the very end, you get to open your gift. And I, I look across the room and I saw, I saw a shoebox. And I'm like, that's going to be the worst gift in the world. Because usually that when I, no one's given a pair, no one's given a pair of tennis shoes. You know what I'm saying? No one's given that as, as a re-gift unless you're a baller. No one's given a pair of tennis shoes. So I'm like, whatever's in there is trash. It's going to be like batteries that you have to freeze. It's going to be a used up Starbucks gift card. It's going to be garbage. Whatever's in there is going to be garbage. And so I've got my eyes on it. But the person to the left, that person, they opened their gift. And the person next to them, not in this box, it was a nice box. Again, I looked at it. The person re-gifted the, the Alexa thing, that Amazon thing you talk to. Anybody have one of those things? Well, apparently these people had two because they re-gifted one. I'm like, yo, these cats are ballers. Like they're re-gift. If you're re-gifting, you're re-giving Lexa, you're like, you're like, this is like rich. Like I, and my, I don't even know. I, mine was like, oh, I know what my re-gift was. My, my re-gift was, um, was, a, was, a, was a book that I got um, written by a pastor. Like no one's reading those books. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like pastors just preach. <laughs> Just free. And that was my, getting like, uh, and we had two of them. There was two of us. We went to a conference. Pastors, like, giving away their free books. Like, someone please read my book. We gave that book away. So I'm like, that book, that's what they got. So I don't want, I make, I really don't want to get my gift. You know what I'm saying? When I go to these kind of parties, Travis. This guy gets, so the guy, I got, now I got my eyes locked in on the shoebox. Because there's, there's like a, there's like a 0.001% chance there's actually shoes in there. I want to keep an eye on it. The guy opens up the box, you guys. I swear to goodness, it wasn't Nike. It was another shoe brand, which I, I don't want to mention because I'm loyal. I'm sponsored by these guys, so I can't mention the other shoe brands. <laughs> I am. I pay them. They give me shoes. I don't really know how. That's how it works. That's how sponsorships work. Out of the box, brand new pair of shoes. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And the guy that has them, he's this guy. He's always smiling. He's like, he was so excited. Big, jolly, kind of Christmas Santa Claus kind of looking kind of guy. He was just kind of like, his body was just kind of, laughing, and he was just, it was a Hugo Cordova, if you know him. He's just kind of laughing, Pastor, Pastor, I got a pair of shoes, Pastor, Pastor. He was so excited about the shoes, and I say to myself, there is no way on this side of earth that those shoes are his size. Why is he that excited? I see him look over, and I'm like, I see him look over, and he goes, nine and a half, Pastor, they're my size, Pastor, they're my size. I'm like, God's favor. If someone, if you go to a party and get a pair of shoes, that's how you know the favor of God is on your life. So I know now, if you ever come to a re-gift party with me, don't bring batteries or a Starbucks gift card. I love re-gifting. I love re-gifting because here's what I know about re-gifting. Because Jesus had a mom and dad named Mary and Joseph, because they believed in re-gifting, you and I, we get Jesus. Mary and Joseph, they re-gifted Jesus to the world. It changed, he changed their story. He changed each, each, he changed each individual of them, their story. He, and they're sharing that Jesus with us. It changed our story. Because Mary and Joseph re-gifted Jesus, because here's what deal. Mary and Joseph could have did what you and I did. We have our kid, and we said, God, that's mine. 
Thank you for my kid, God. Mary could have said to Jesus, to God, God, thank you for my child. But Mary just said, I want to, I want to re-gift. I want to give it, I want to give it back. And, and, and before you think, man, this guy, he's a heretic. In Luke chapter 2, we see Jesus being given back. And he's given back to that community, but ultimately Jesus is given back. Mary and Joseph give Jesus back to the entire world. And because of that one single re-gift, our story is changed for forever. Our lives can be changed forever. We go from death to life because of this one re-gift. And so Mary and Joseph re-gifted Jesus. And I want to read that to you today in Luke chapter 2. I've asked you nicely as best I can for you to make sure that when you're reading this Luke chapter 2, that you're asking God for special revelation. When you ask God for special revelation, he gives a special revelation. You can read Luke chapter 2. If you've grown up in church, a lot of you guys have. You've read Luke chapter 2. You've heard Luke chapter 2. For the last 15 years, I've gone my in-laws out to Epcot, and I've heard Luke chapter 2 read over me a thousand times. But I have saw stuff this last month that I've never, ever seen in my entire life. Because when you have expectation, you get different revelation. If you're reading for information, then you, then you can get information. But if you're asking God for revelation, whenever there's revelation, then there's transformation. Because God's not going to waste revelation on you. If you're not asking God for revelation, then you're not going to get revelation. Then it just becomes information. When you ask God for revelation and you receive it, then transformation can happen. What I want for our church is to be a church that has, trans, has transformation. I want to see lives transformed. I don't want to see people. I want to see people smile. I want to see people make it. I want to see people do better. I want all those things. But at the end of the day, the thing I want the most, I want to see people's lives transformed because of the gospel. The reason why we're going to do what we do, the reason why we do what we do is because we want to see people changed. We want to see transformation happen because when, what, what, we're, what most people are doing, what most people are doing, it's not working. It's not working. So I'm, I'm begging God for transformation for our church, but that comes from Revelation. If you have a Bible, Luke chapter 2, if you don't, we'll have one in the Bible in the sky right behind me. Luke chapter 2, verse 21, eight days later, <clears throat> when the baby was circumcised, Jesus, he was named Jesus. The name given to him by the angel even before he was conceived. So Mary didn't get to pick her son's name, which that would be kind of traumatic for a lot of you ladies, right? Ladies, you want, you want to pick your kid's name. The angels picked his name, right? Like when it's, when it's your kid, you get to pick, but Mary knew it wasn't her kid. It was Jesus. It was God's kid, and so God picks the name of this baby. So he goes on the eighth day, he's circumcised, and then verse 22, then it was time for the purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to re-gift him back to the Lord. That's what he's doing. I'm, I'm coming to bring back the gift that you gave me. I'm back to re-gift it. I want to re-gift it back to the Lord. I want to re-gift it. I want, I want to do, I, I've experienced the thrill of hope. The thrill of hope is about Jesus coming. And I want to give back the gift that you, that you gave me, that you allowed me to carry and allowed me to, you allowed me to give birth to you because I want to, I want to give it back to you. And so verse 23, the law of the Lord says this, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice that was required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. They do exactly what God's called them to do. And I want to encourage you in here today that God has called you to do a, a thing or to do something. And we got to do what God's called us to do. God says to Mary and Joseph, I'm going to gift you this kid, but you have to re-gift it back. Do you got it? Yes, Jesus. Do you got it, Mary? Yes, Jesus. I want you to give back the gift that I gave you guys. And so we see they're doing exactly what God called them to do. Heads up, church. You and I, we're called to do exactly what God's called us to do. That's what he wants us to do. It's not that hard. I think the word, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a spoiler, but I think the word for some of us in here today in 2019 needs to be the word obedient. 
that for 2019, you may want to choose a word, and the word that you want to choose, it may be for, for Hope Church, for you, for me, maybe, I think, for some of us in your day, maybe the word is a obedient. We'll get to that in just a moment, but the word obedient. Verse 25 says this. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon, okay? He was righteous, and he was devout, and he was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue the Lord. Now, Simeon, he knew the Bible. He went to church. He read the scripture, but he knew this. He wanted to see Jesus. And I want to encourage you today. You can go to church, and it's good for you, and you can serve, and you can give, but all those things should be leading you to wanting to see Jesus. And Simeon did everything that you and I, Simeon would have been on Dream Team. Simeon would have gave to Heart for the House offering. Simeon would have served in the church. Simeon would have did all the things that you're supposed to do. He would have saw the guy. I saw a lady passed out on her steering wheel this past weekend. I stopped to help her after I passed by several times, just trying to talk myself into it. Simeon would have done the things that you're supposed to He would have helped people. What we're called, we're called to help people. Simeon would have done that. And so we see Simeon here. He, but Simeon's like, man, I want to I wanna see Jesus. That's what I'm here for. I want to see Jesus. He wanted to see, see Jesus so much. Listen to what he says in verse 26. <clears throat> and, <clears throat> and had revealed to him that he would not die. The Holy Spirit, right for that, the verse 20, the latter part of that, he says, hey, the Holy Spirit was upon him. And he had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Messiah. In my Bible, I circled the word seen or the word saw. It may be a different translation that you have. He goes, I'm not gonna die. I wanna see Jesus. Simeon said, I can die when I see Jesus. And I want to encourage you today, if you haven't, when you see Jesus, then you should be okay with dying after you see Jesus. Because he says, I saw Jesus, now I can die. Simeon's a good illustration for us because here's what I want to tell you. Heaven is better than earth. It's better. I've read, I've read the story. I've read the book. It is better. Your greatest vacation destination that you could decide on going on this year does not compare to heaven. It just doesn't compare. He goes, I've seen Jesus now. Now I can die. I'm, I'm good to go. What a testimony. Man, I saw Jesus and then I died. Verse 27, that day the spirit led him into the temple. He was at church. Good things happen when you're at church. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the Lord required, Simeon was there and he took the child in his arms and he began praising God saying, sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. He goes, man, I've made it. Dude, I've made it. A lot of people, we're living, we're living for the American dream. And then we think we've made it. I made it. Six figures, I made it. Corner office job, I made it. Three kids, I made it. The bigger house, the biggest house on the street, I made it. The nicest car on the street, I've made it. We think that we made it and that's not making it. And so many times in church culture that we get confused with, with following Jesus with the American dream. And one of those become more important for us. And the Bible says we can't serve two masters. Now, I'm for stuff. Trust me, I've got, I've got more than I need. I, I'm, I'm for stuff, but that stuff that God's given you, it's from him and everything I have, it's from him. But if the stuff is the goal, you can miss Jesus if stuff is the goal. But if Jesus is the goal, all the stuff, it's, it's, it's okay. It's okay. I don't want you to think, oh man, he's, he's against stuff. I'm not, I'm not for, I'm not against stuff at all. But I think sometimes when stuff becomes our goal, then we, sometimes stuff robs us from seeing Jesus. It robs us from seeing Jesus. So he says here, I've seen the Messiah. I can now die. Verse 29. Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you promised. And he says in verse 3, he goes, I've seen your salvation. I saw salvation. Man, that is such a, I hope that has a lot of weight to you. He's like, man, I, I saw salvation. 
I underline the word there. Again, you see the word seen or saw there again, because I saw salvation. I saw salvation, which you have prepared for all people. You say at our church every week that we exist to love all people at all times and all places. We didn't, we didn't think of that on our own. We got that from the Lord. Jesus came for all people. Who should we be for? We should be for all people. We don't have to decide who we're going to be for. We're for all people because Jesus was for all people. The thing that, the thing that Jesus is for should be the thing that we're for. I was talking to a friend of mine. I, I go to the gym with, with her. I'm going to do, do this funeral in just a few, just a few hours, 2 o'clock this week. If, today, if, if you'd pray for me, that'd be awesome. And she said to me, I, I was asking her about, are there, are there things I'm allowed to say, things I'm not allowed to say? And I said, are there, you know, are people believe in God there? Did your, did, your mom, did your mom believe in God? Was she a follower of Jesus Christ? And, and we began talking about these different things, and I'm just trying to get a good handle on, you know, who's going to be there, who's, who's not going to be there. And in light of talking with her and talking with, 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 with her, I said, you don't, do you go to church? She goes, no, I don't go to church. I said, did your, did your mom go to church? She said, no, my mom believed that you could, you could believe in God and believe in salvation and, and not go to church. And, and we had this conversation, and I said, you know, she, I was like, well, why don't, you ought to come visit our church. She's like, well, why, why, would I, why would I come to your church? I said, we're for people. We're a church that's for people. And she's like, really? She's like, it seems like a lot of stuff I listen to that doesn't sound like many churches nowadays are for a lot of people. <laughs> Isn't that so sad, though? That's just sad. I remember my dad told me, he said, when you start the church, he used to always tell me, he said, man, people go Monday through Saturday and they get beat up six days a week. Then when they come to church, they ought to be encouraged and inspired. And that's on the, my mind every single day. And if it doesn't sound like I say that in my service, my dad will text me. As soon as he gets in his car, he'll send me a long voice text. Stuff's all out of whack. He's like, I'm like, are you trying to give me encouragement? Or are you cussing me out? Like, you got to make sure you... Just because you said it doesn't mean it's coming across the way it's supposed to come across. Dad, you got to go in there and you got to check some of it, you know. And my dad, my dad sends those creepy red lips emojis and all this text messages. It's weird. He knows that. I'm not talking about him. In, I'm talking about him in front of him. Like he knows. I'm like, that's just weird. It's like sending those lips to my wife. Like it's just weird, you know. But it's my dad, so I've just got used to it, you know. And I said, man, we're for all people. And I said, we're for all people because Jesus was for all people. The Messiah came for all people, and he says that. He came for all, he came for all people. I was talking to my, this, my sweet friends right here on, on the front row. They, they, they're, they're in a season of life where they're trying, to, they're trying to figure things out. Things are a little bit wild, and they're trying, to, they're trying to get connected with God again. I said, well, you're at the right church because this church is for people. They said, we got to the place where we, we need some people around us. We need some people in our lives. That's what we need. That's what we come to church for. People are coming to church not for Jesus. I've told you guys, people are coming to church for people. And when they get here, they find, man, there's, oh, Je Jesus is the reason that we're, why we're different. Jesus is our X factor. You can go find people anywhere, but people are coming to church because they're trying to find something different. We're for families. We're for people. We're for the hurting. We're for the broken. We're for your success, but we're there for you when you're struggling. We're there for all people because that's what Jesus did. You guys have heard me say that a thousand times. You're probably sick of me saying it, but Jesus was for people. Verse 31 says that I have seen your salvation which you prepared for all people. God is the light to, re God, Jesus is a light to reveal God to the nations. And he is the glory of your people, Israel. He's the thrill of hope. Jesus is the thrill of hope. He is the thing that makes me come unglued. He's the thing that makes you come unglued. I love what the Apostle Paul said. Apostle Paul says, man, I am out of my mind. And I'm out of my mind because I seek and love Jesus so much. Paul, the apostle, he experienced the thrill of hope. If you experience the thrill of hope, when you experience the thrill of hope, everything changes. We talked about the last week. You change. Your community changes. Your house changes. Your lifestyle changes. And when you experience the thrill of hope, everything changes. 
Everything is different. Generosity moves up on the level. Encouragement goes up on the level. Encouraging, inspiring people, serving goes up. Everything goes up. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and, 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 and really they were just giving me their list of criteria of, of all, that they, all that they needed from a church. And I'm for, like, you got to go to a church where, where they're, where they're you got you to find the church that, that's best for you. And, and there's probably a lot of churches out there, and, and, and I hope this one fits for you. This is your cup of tea, but it's not your cup of tea. There's other churches you can find other churches. But if your list of requirement is a list of 10 things, and they all start with, I want the church that does this, then it's about you. I want the church that's about other people. I want to be a part of a church that's all about reaching more people, serving more people, giving people, feeding more people, partnering with more people, picking more people up out of the ditches. That's the church I want to be about. None of that has to do with me. That comes from the Bible. We want to be a church that's for people. And if, is, if, that doesn't, if you don't like that, doesn't excite you, then I realize that our church can't exist, like our church can't exist for everybody because if it's a, it's a list of things that meets your requirement, I realize that our church does not meet a lot of requirements for a lot of people. It doesn't because we are all about other people. We put ourselves second. We put ourselves second. And I think that's what God's called us to do, to put other people, put other people first and put ourselves second. Because when you experience hope, everything changes. Everything changes. Verse 33, Jesus' parents, they were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simon blessed him. Simon blessed him. I want to encourage you today. This is why obedience is important. Jesus', Jesus Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph, were obedient. And because of their obedience, then came the blessing. Church, I'm going to say this to you today. This is pretty clear. You've heard me say it before. There are a lot of people that want God's blessing. I don't know many people who don't want God's blessing. I want God's blessing. I want God's blessing. But the more I read this book and the more I hang out with people that, are, that, 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 that read this book, blessing will never come unless you're first obedient. It's just... it's. It's just, God, the Bible, God says in his word that God's a God of order. And the order in which he blesses people, blessing always follows obedience. If you want to be blessed, be obedient. If you're obedient, then you're going to be blessed. But don't get off track. I don't want you to think of blessings as just financial. Blessing for you may be physically. It may be spiritually. It may be emotionally a blessing. You're going to be blessed. God, God blesses his children. But man, we want all these things. We, we have a list of things that we, God, we have a list of things that we want God to do. And God's got one list for us. God says, I want you to be obedient. And that's going to make you better. Why wouldn't more people want to be more obedient? I see people all the time, and I'm like, and they just, these things, this, 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 this. I'm like, man, are you being obedient? You want God to bless you, but you don't, you don't, want, to, you don't want to be obedient? I don't know what, I don't, I, don't, I, I, I get confused, Pastor Joel, because I'm like, I don't really know what else to say, because I'm like, obedience comes first. I can't see the blessing happen if, I, if, I don't, if there's, no, there's no obedience. There's no obedience. Simon blessed them. He blessed them because of their obedience. God blessed them because of their obedience. God blessed them because they regifted Jesus. And he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child's destined to cause many in Israel to, fail, to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many people will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. We see Jesus' side pierced. 33 years later after his, after his birth. I want to encourage you today that God's, God's son, Jesus, Simeon says, I want to bless you guys. Simeon says, your son's destined for greatness. I want to encourage you today. Maybe you came here today. We talked about our story last week, but maybe you think God put the pencil down. God didn't put the pencil down. Your story's not over yet. Yours, don't, don't compare this chapter right now 
with your, your last chapter because you haven't seen your last chapter yet. And if you're in here today and you think, man, things aren't going the way I, they think they should go, I just want you to know your story's not over yet. The book's not over yet. Until you, if you're not, if you're not, oh, I've heard this, you've heard me say this before, but if you're not dead, God's not done. And so don't get, don't get discouraged, don't get worried. I was telling my friends that, man, you gotta have people in your life to encourage you and to inspire you. It's a good reason to go to community group, outside the food, but you, the second thing is you gotta find some people that are gonna partner with you because you're gonna get to a point in your life, I'm gonna point my finger at you in a good way, you're gonna get to the point in life where you're gonna wanna give up. You're gonna want to. It's normal, because life's not easy. You're gonna wanna give up. That's why it's important to have people in your life because when you want to give up, you have people there saying, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. I love Travis and Kristen. They're always so encouraging me. I, I said, I, I preached a sermon when, in the first six months of the church about, and, I, and I used a phrase that, that the haters are motivators. And they've, they captured it and they shared it and because of them, they've always reminded, they reminded me about that. They, they remind, every time I see them, I'm reminded, the haters are motivators. And I got, I got blasted yesterday. And I realized, this, this, that's my motivation. And, I, and, and, then, and, I, and, it, and it came secondhand from my wife, and I, just, I got blasted. And I was like, so I put her on speakerphone, and dude, I just revved up, Travis. I'm like, we, we're better than this. We've poured in, and we've done this, and we've served, and we've gave. And by the time, at the end of the sermon, she was like, amen. We hung up, and it was over. Because haters are our motivators. And I think this, if you're a leader in here today, you have two options. Every, every few moments, if you're a leader today, you gotta listen to the haters or you gotta listen to what's right. Every single, every few moments, you have to do that. I, we, I find ourselves, I think leaders sometimes, we find ourselves in this balance between worship and worry every few moments. Either I'm gonna worship or I'm gonna worry. Either I'm gonna worship or I'm gonna worry. And we, we, get, we get so caught up in these things. And Jesus says, I've got this credible plan for your life. It's called the thrill of hope and his name is Jesus. I wrote down a couple of things I think you ought to write down too. Christmas changed everything. Christmas changed everything. When Jesus came, Simon's like, man, Jesus is here. It changed everything for Simon. Simon's like, I've read about this. I've read the story. I've studied this Jesus and now he's here. It changed everything. And here's why it changed everything because Christmas equals salvation. Christmas equals salvation. If there was no Christmas, there would be no Easter. And if there was no Easter, there would be no salvation. They heard that Jesus was coming. They heard that. They heard Jesus was coming. They also heard that he was going down the cross for their sins. At the moment that the Christmas, like the Christmas should be good enough for us. Whether or not the cross had happened yet, Christmas should be like, oh my goodness, everything, this is the start of what they said was going to happen. They said a Messiah would come. They said he would be here. And they, we also, they also read the same part about the story that he's going to die on the cross for our sins. They, they saw that too in Isaiah. They saw that. They say Isaiah is the fifth gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the four gospels. Isaiah is like a, a mini version of the gospel. The gospel is all throughout the book of Isaiah. And they say, oh, we've heard this. As soon as, that, that, as, soon as Jesus was born, they should have said, man, he's going to die in 33 years. But they had to, he had to still build his, he had to build his influence. He had to continue to serve and to give and to love and to do all things that God's called united. He'd do all the same thing until he did his, act, his, his final act of service, which was down the cross for our sins. And so I wanna give you three things I think that you need to know about, about salvation. Here's the first thing, first thing. Sight is a sign of salvation. Sight is a sign of salvation. Simon says, oh my goodness, I've seen salvation. I saw salvation. Can I ask you a question today? Have you seen salvation? Sight is another word for vision. Sight is another word for vision. God's given me a clear vision for 2019. That is a byproduct of salvation. But can I tell you what our vision includes? Salvation of many. We know that God's called us to reach 40 families in 2019. I think that's a small number. 
We believe that we can go to a third experience in 2019. That may not be the number. Maybe it's four. I don't know. But here's what I do know. That God has let, we've seen salvation and that sight translates to vision. Can I ask you a question? Do you see clearly? I'm getting older. I got to go see an eye doctor. Things are just starting to run. I got the side of my vision. I'm having, are those signs? I got to look closer. I got to look closer. But can I tell you, I can see clearly what God wants me to do. Because that's a sign of salvation. I've seen Jesus. I've seen Jesus. And I'm going to make sure as many people as possible see Jesus in this community. That's what I'm going to do. I have a clear vision. I have a sight. Sight is a sign of salvation. Here's the second thing. This one's harder. Surrender is a sign of salvation. Surrender. Mary and Joseph, they were surrendered to God. I'm going to surrender. God, I'm going to surrender my life to you. You know what I have? I, this is such a big struggle for me, church, this idea of surrender. I know a lot of people, they've got salvation, but they got no surrender. We go, I'm saved, Wes, John 3, 16, Romans 3, 23, Romans 6, 23, Romans 5, 8 through 9 through 13. Like, I've got it all memorized. We got salvation. We got, we know the Romans wrote. We got it. We got salvation, but we got no surrender. And you wonder why God's not blessing your life. There's no surrender. There's, there's, there's no surrender. I was 15 years old. I said, God, I'm going to surrender my life to you. I'm, when I, we launched this church, God said, hey, you're going to launch church. I want to, I'm, I'm going all in with God. I'm going to go all in with God. I see those, those shows where those, where those guys, where they play poker, they go, I'm, I'm going all in. It's just a cool, it's just, it gets your adrenaline pumping like that. I'm going all in. All their money they push in. I used to love watching that, um, that on ESB and the world, of, the world of poker. They just, oh, I'm going all in. Millions of dollars on the line. I'm going all in. Can I ask you a question? Why we surrender, we surrender to some of the most whacked out stuff. And God wants to surrender our life to him. He's a better guide of your life than you are. Can I encourage you today? His plan for your life, check this, write this down, capture your mind. God's plan for your life is a heck of a lot better than your plan for your life. You're like, Wes, well, I'm a good, pretty good planner. Like, you're not a better planner than Jesus. I mean, he's got a good plan. He wants, you, he wants you to surrender to him. God wants to surrender life. Are you surrendered to him? Is, does, God, does God own you? Does God own your heart? Does God own your heart? Like, do you, can you say, God, man, whatever God wants, I'm, I'm just going to do whatever God wants me to do. I see a lot of people at sight, but I see a lot of, very few people at surrender. Little surrender. I just, I'm just going to do what I want to do. I have salvation, but I'm going to do whatever it is that I want to do. And we make decisions to stay in chair to the rest of our life because we won't surrender. Are you surrendered to God? Because Mary and Joseph surrendered their son. They surrendered their lives to God. Mary just surrendered their lives to God. Simeon, he surrendered his life to God. And then here's the third thing. If that wasn't spicy enough for you, let me go one more, let me go one more level deeper for you. Sacrifice is a sign of salvation. Sacrifice is a sign of salvation. Man, is salvation, man, sacrifice? So check it, Mary, Mary and Joseph, they had a vision from God. God comes to them, shows them, says, hey guys, I want you to do this. I'm gonna, you're gonna carry my son. An angel came to them, I want you to carry my son. And then I want you to, I want you to give that back. Yeah, I want you to re-gift it, got it. Then he comes to them and says, hey, I want you to, I, I, I want you to, and they did it. And the reason why they did what the God called them is because they were, they were surrendered. They were surrendered to God. And here's where it gets spicy. Because not only, they're surrendered, they're good. Like that, they're doing pretty good. Like they've got clear vision. God's called us to do this and we're gonna go do this and we're gonna reach these people and that's great. And, and they're personally, they're surrendered. I'm gonna do whatever God wants me to do. I'm gonna do whatever God wants me to do. I'm gonna do whatever God wants me to do. But then it gets, then it gets touchy because then they, God says to Mary and Joseph, now I want your sacrifice. Because surrendering your life, it doesn't require a lot of sacrifice. You're like, well, for me it does. Maybe it does, but it doesn't require as much. Surrender isn't as tough as sacrifice because sacrifice indicates this. 
I'm gonna give whatever I have back to God. And that's a whole heck of a lot harder. See, you've heard me say this before. My kids, I don't own my kids. God gifted them to me and I've already re-gifted them back to them. I don't own my kids. I don't own them. I'm gonna lead them as long as God allows me to lead them. I don't own my kids. They, they know that God is their, God owns them. I'm, I'm just the manager. They, they know that, we know that. My finances, I don't own any finances. I just, God owns everything. Bible said he owns a cattle on a thousand I just manage my finances. That's all I have to do. I just, I just gotta steward it. I just gotta be obedient with him and, and we're good. I'm just gonna be obedient. My, this church, I don't own this church. I just happen to be the, 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 the shepherd. That's all I am. Just a shepherd. I get up and I, those qualifications of a leader in 2 Timothy and, and in Titus and I just read those things and, and I go out and I want to live that, those qualifications and, and, that, and God called me. I'm here because God called me. I didn't choose this. I didn't choose this. I didn't choose to launch church. God calls you to do this kind of stuff. And usually that works. There's some guys that choose it and that doesn't work. But if God's called you to it, then he'll, he'll equip you. So God's called me to launch this church. That's what God's called me to do. I don't own it. When I gave my kids back, that was sacrifice. When I give God my finances, that's sacrifice. When I do what's right for me, that's just surrender. But when God's called me, I I wanna sacrifice. I wanna give God back everything. I wanna go all in with God. You know what blows my mind? I've noticed this, and some of you guys that have lived long enough to know this. It is sad to me that we will go all in. Get this, we'll go all in, and I watch people do this all the time. They'll go all in on a toxic relationship. What in the world? Why would we do that? We'll go all in with that. Jesus has never forsaken us. He's never left us. He's never hurt us. He's never left us behind. He's never left us out. And we won't go all in for, we won't go all in for God? That, makes, that doesn't make a lot of sense, right? That sounds silly. Why would anybody not go all in with Jesus? Well, why won't we? Why won't we? God's called us to go all in, to sacrifice. He wants us to sacrifice. That's what he wants from us. Underneath your seat, every single one of you guys got a heart for the house on, but you can reach down there and grab that. And also underneath there, there's an, there's an invite. There's an invite card and an offering on. I want you, I want you to take that out. <clears throat> for the last four weeks, we've been talking about this heart for the house offering. And to be honest with you, I'm excited about it. I'm already excited about it. It's been a, it's been a great day already. And I'm excited about what we're gonna do today because what we do today is gonna affect tomorrow. What we do today is gonna affect tomorrow. And I ask you just to pray. I just ask you to pray that you'll do whatever God's called you to do. You just pray and ask God what he wants you to do and whatever that he asks you to do, then you would just do that. And if you're here today and you're just joining us for the first time, this is a great church to, to chip in on. But if you're here today and you're like, this is my first time and I don't know this church, this isn't, this isn't for you. Just be able to say, this is my home. This is my church. I have a heart for this house. I have a heart for the house of God. And... Um, this is big. Today's big for our church because this, this determines where we're headed next year. It determines our serve days. It determines how we're buying a church in a, in a few weeks. It's gonna be awesome in, 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 in Cuba. And it's gonna determine how many more partners that we help out, how many, more, how many more nonprofits that we pour into, how many more jackets that we give to the homeless, how many more people we're gonna see saved, and how many more people that we're gonna help make good choices about what to do when, they, when, they, when they're not prepared to, to have a child. This is gonna, this, this, the offering today goes so much further than we'll ever even imagine, that we'll ever, ever, ever think. It's gonna be, this is, a, this is big. Now, before we give today, because we're gonna give in just a few moments, I wanna encourage you with this. There's a story in the Bible. 
and it, it looks a lot like this church right now. And there's a little lady in the back and she's a widow. Her husband's gone. And she doesn't have much. To be honest with you, she just, she doesn't have a lot. And she's in the back of the church and she's in the back because that's where the poor people sit at. They sit in the back of the church because they don't have a lot. Because in, in, the, in the Bible days, if you're rich, you, you got the rich, they would, they'd, they'd have ushers, they'd usher you to the front row. And they'd put you in the orange chairs. Like, we're gonna put you in the up chairs. That's next level. They went right up front next to the communicator. That's you're do you give? Slide over. We need you. We need these. These are the best seats. They, they got the, the rich people get the best seats in the house. So she walks in like typically she normally does. She sits in the back row. And the pastor gets up there and says, Hey, we're gonna reach people, and we're gonna serve people, we're gonna love people, and we're gonna encourage people, and we're gonna give, we're gonna give today, and we're gonna give, we're gonna give sacrificially, and we're gonna, we're gonna surrender, and we're gonna give to vision, we're gonna do all those things. It's all great. And she's in the back and she starts hearing this. Thud, thud, thud. And the noise that she's hearing is people dropping in their silver and their gold coins in the offering plate. And what she does in the back row, this is in scripture, she takes her money and she puts it back in her pocket because she thinks what most people think. Well, I can't give what they give. So I'm not gonna give. And then she talks herself and no, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give, I got this, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give. She reaches back into her pocket and she pulls the money back and again she hears thud, 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 thud. And it got to the point where it got to her and she had a decision. She was gonna follow her heart and do what God's called her to do or she was gonna do what she wanted to do, be obedient or be what she wanted to be. That's her, that's her choice. She got to make that choice. We all get to make the choice. And she decides that day to be obedient. She puts the money in. They take the offering, it goes to the back, the guys count it, whatever happens with it. But as a pivotal thing, Jesus is there and he goes over to the disciples and he says, hey guys, hey Jer, you see the lady in the back? Yeah, yeah, I see her. She just gave more than all the people that were given the gold and the silver and they were dropping their money. And they, she gave more than everybody. And Jer was like, really? Yeah, really. Their minds are blown. Because here's what you need to know, what this lady knew. This lady knew that it was about obedience. It was about the heart. Can I encourage you today? My, my daughter, this, this story has changed my daughter's story. The reason why I know it changed her story, because last night she goes, hey, dad. I said, what's up? She goes, my, I was telling my teacher about the church we're buying in Cuba. And she, she wrote the check, a, a check. She wrote the church a check for $100. And I was like, that's what I'm talking about. People investing, not even their church, because here's what they know. People want to give to something greater than themselves. She goes, I like that. So she walks up, she's like, I'm good. She gives her a little cute little self, goes to her room, comes back with a check. And I thought to myself, this story's changed my daughter's story. She went and told the story. It changed the story of her teacher. And now our story is going to change Cuba. So if you're here today, you're thinking, man, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the widow in the back. I just, don't have a, I just don't have a lot. I don't have anything. I don't have what it takes. I want to encourage you, I'm not giving what this lady I'm not giving what this lady gave, and she's not giving what I gave. She's not giving what I gave. I told my wife, every year we do this, I wanna give more than I gave the year before. That's about to be my goal. Every year I wanna give more. I, I don't think anyone believes in this church more than I do. That's how I think, I wanna give the most. But you know what I know? I'm not giving the most. But here's what I know, if everyone does what they're supposed to do, we're gonna, we're gonna reach above and beyond what we can imagine or think today. I wanna encourage you with this. 
before we take the offering, we're about to take our offering in just a moment. Before we take this offering, we've already brought in, before we even, before we even got to the service, before the service even started, nine o'clock, we'd already taken in almost $20,000 before the service started last an hour ago. That's awesome, right? Yeah. That excites one person, all of us. And it's already, and then the, the, last, the last service, this is where we get into the competition. <laughs> the, last church, the last service, they gave, I don't know, 10 or $12,000 in, in, the, in the last service. And so we're right, sitting around right around that $30,000 mark. So we're only $20,000 away from reaching this goal. And I thought to myself, God, that's too big of a number. And God says, I'm so much bigger than your numbers, Wes. I'm so much bigger than your numbers. And so I want to encourage you today. What I want to share with you today is that you're not going to give what I'm going to give unless it's just by chance. I'm not going to give what you're going to give. And you may be sitting here today thinking, I don't have much to give. And here's what I would tell you is I would encourage you with this, is I wouldn't want to miss out on what God's going to do next year. I wouldn't want to miss out. You may be saying, I got a dollar in my, in, my, in, my, in my purse. I would throw that dollar in. That's what I would do. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to miss, it's my personality type, I know. I don't want to miss out on anything. I got the FOMO. I don't want to miss out on what God's going to do. Because here's the deal. Some of you guys are in these chairs because of the gifts from last year. And when we go to campus next year, if God, if God gives us a place next year, which I'm hoping he does, and that's what he wants. And as, this, as, these, as these, this stage goes further back and we add more chairs next year and we reach 40 from there, I want to have skin in the game. That's just the kind of guy that I am. But can I tell you more than anything, I just want us to be obedient. That's all I want. It's not about equal gifts. That doesn't matter. I'm not gonna give what Travis gives. Travis isn't gonna give what I give. I'm not gonna give what Lee gives. Lee's not gonna give what I give. I'm not gonna give what Derek gives. Derek's not gonna give what I give. We had someone last week, last Friday night, give us a, give us a Ford Explorer. I'm not giving a, I'm not giving a truck. And, and that's, what, that's what God, everyone's gonna give something. Everyone gives what God's called them to give and we're gonna, we're gonna give. If Mick and Jill wanna give their motorcycle today, that's up to them. I can't, <laughs> I'm just kidding. You just give what God's called you to give and we're gonna, we're gonna we'll all be surprised and we're all gonna be like, man, look what God did.